Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. That never gets old to me. I don't know what it is. I'm like a kid, like I'm ready to go when I get some kind of big introduction like that. I, I introduced myself earlier, but if you missed it, my name is Isaac, and I'm thrilled that you are here today. Today, we wrap up our series at the movies, and this is literally by far my favorite series of all times because I believe that truth has a source. I believe all truth comes from God, but I believe that we can find truth in almost anywhere we look. And so over the past few weeks, we've been looking at some movies, uh, some recently released movies. But today, we're going to go back a few years. We're going to go not only to a movie, but we're going to go to a series of movies. And we're, today, we're going to look at the series, Lord of the Rings. Now, oh, we, we have applause. This is fun. How many of you have seen Lord of the Rings? How many of you have not seen Lord of the Rings? Awesome. We're going to talk about it today. Now, um, before we get started, let me just let you know uh, that the scenes that we're going to watch today are not kid-friendly. Um, so if you have small children in here, they're going to be too scary, in my opinion, um, for your children. But we have an incredible children's department uh, that is located directly behind me. So if you would like to take your kids and get them checked in uh, to a service that is designed specifically for them, then you can do that. But before we look at our first clip, let me ask a question. Have you ever been shocked by your behavior? I mean, like you're just surprised. I, I'm not, not, not something that's like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. No, I mean something gut-wrenching makes you sick to your stomach. I can't believe I just did that, or I can't believe I just said that. Several years ago, um, our boys, we have two boys, they were playing soccer. Now, my wife played soccer all the way through high school, so this is her jam. This is her sport, right? And so we were at one of their games, and my wife, very unusual for her, she literally was sprinting up and down the sidelines, screaming at the top of her lungs at our child as he was out on the field because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And so tensions were high, so I said something to her, and she said something back. She said something. Anyways, we got in this little tiff, right? And then all of a sudden, she backhanded me right on the shoulder. And in that split second, just like that, I backhanded her back on the shoulder. But you hear this, pop, pop. And everybody on the sideline got the big eyes, and they all turned around and looked. And Shannon and I both had big eyes. Because, see, that's not the way we behave in our family. That's, that's not okay. In our family, we got the big eyes. And immediately, y'all, I was sick. I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe that. That action that I just did, that behavior did not line up with who I believed I was. And so I, I literally just tucked my tail between my legs and walked down to the end where there was no one and I stood by myself the rest of the game. So I'm sure you've seen yourself or you have experienced something similar, but here's the question I want to ask today. Why? Why is it that our actions don't always line up with our expectations? See, I never expected myself to do that, and yet I did it anyway. So why is it that our actions don't always line up with our expectations? Now, I want you to know that we're going to answer this question today, but we're going to answer this question with a problem, which really 
doesn't help anyone. But then we're going we're gonna to see a solution to the problem, okay? So it's going to be a step-by-step process. So let's watch this first scene. But before I do, let me set it up for you. Some of you haven't seen this. Um, in this scene, you're going to see two hobbits. Their, name is da- their names are Daigle and Smeagol. And hobbits are very peaceful people. They, they are not confrontational. They may be honorary, but they're not confrontational. They're very peaceful people. And they're on a trip, and Daigle falls in the water, and as he, when he falls in the water, he sees something shiny. He swims down to it and picks it up, and it's a ring, thus Lord of the Rings. This is one of the rings. So when he gets out, his cousin, who's on the trip with him, Smeagol, sees it. And he does something very unexpected for a hobbit. Let's take a look. Now, did you see the transformation in Smeagol? He saw something desirable, and then he did whatever he needed to do in order to acquire it. And then once he had it, it wasn't that he had it as much as it had him. He went from a peaceful hobbit to a murderer and eventually into a monster. And this really parallels a story in the Bible that I want to just take a few minutes and look at. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, this is about King David. And just so you know, all the, all the, the verses of the Bible that we're going to look at today, I'm going to put on the screen so you can read them there. Uh, but there are Bibles in the chairs close to you. And if you don't own one, I want you to have truth with you, not just on Sunday mornings, but anytime. So please come find me afterwards. I have some Bibles in my office I'd absolutely love to give you. But in 2 Samuel, we see King David, one of the greatest kings that the nation of Israel um, has ever known. And we see him in a situation, okay? So let's look at chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, But David remained in Jerusalem. Now, this is unexpected of David. The king normally leads his armies into battle. He didn't go. So while at home one evening, David got up from his bed. He took a nap, right, and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman. She was bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. So when this messenger comes back, he says, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now, we, we read in just the verse before that, that this woman was married, and that David sent to her, and, and he slept with her. And so that's bad enough as it is, but the story doesn't end there. Comes to find out that Bathsheba is now pregnant because of what David did, and he needs to cover that up, right? He needs to hide that. So he calls Uriah, her husband, back from war, Because he had been gone for a while, right? And so he just thought if he called him back from war, they would sleep together and it would fix this problem, but he doesn't do it. And so then his next plan is to get him drunk uh, because we make different choices when we're sober versus when we're drunk. And so he tried that and it still didn't work. And so his third and final idea in order to cover this pregnancy up is he literally gave Uriah his death sentence. It was in a note that Uriah took back to Joab who was the leader of the army. And it basically said this, make sure Uriah dies. And he did. And so what we see is this good, maybe even great king. He he turns to a rapist. And then he turns into a murderer. And anybody in their right mind would consider that a monster. 
Now, some of us in the room today, it got really quiet because this is, this is difficult, I understand. But some of us in the room today know all too well this story, the one of Smeagol and the one of David, because we too saw something desirable and we went and got it. We did whatever it took in order to get it. And now that we have it, not only do we have it, but it has us and it's literally changed the face of who we are. You see, we all have this problem. We all see things that we desire and we want them and so we go and we get what we desire and then it changes us into something else. And that sounds like a very logical progression, right? That something from the inside comes into us and turns us into today a monster, right? Because we understand that our hearts are good, right? There's a song, listen to your heart, right? We all know it. Finish this sentence for me. Just follow your heart. Thank you. Y'all are, y'all are timid. Just follow your heart. This is what society tells us to do. You do you. Do what's best for you. Your, follow your heart because it knows what's best. It knows the decisions you need to make. It knows all of those things. But I just want to tell you this morning I don't agree with that. Because you see in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 it says, this. The human heart is the, say these next few words with me, most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And I just leave this on the screen for a minute because I want to break this verse down. I just, I want you to see this. The human heart, this is not talking about the physical organ inside of our body. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about who we are at our core is the, it's an absolute word. There's none bigger, there's none worse, there's none better. It's the, the most deceitful of all things, which means it's better at deceiving than anything else there is. And then the author says this. It doesn't say that our heart gets it wrong sometimes. It's right most of the time. Most of the time it's good, sometimes it's bad. It doesn't even say that our heart is bad. The author says our heart is wicked. And not just wicked, but desperately wicked. Then the author says, who really knows how bad it is? Meaning there's absolutely no way that you and I can ever know the depths of deceit that we are capable of. So today, because of this truth, we realize that the monster is not out there somewhere, and if it gets into us, it messes up our pure little clean heart. That's not how it works. I believe The monster is already inside all of us. I believe this. The monster doesn't transform our hearts. The monster reveals it. The monster doesn't transform our hearts. The monster reveals it. And I understand that there's something outside of us that triggers the monster. I understand that, and I, I, I don't want to put, put that behind us. I, I want to keep it in front of us. But those words that came out of our mouth, that action that came out of me several years ago, it's already in me. Look what Matthew 6.45 says. It says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That stuff, that that hatred, that bitterness, that anger that came out of us was already in us. See, the transformation that takes place is we become on the outside what we are capable of on the inside. 
Romans 3.23 puts it this way. For everyone. Now I want you to know that everyone, the definition of everyone is everyone. Right. It, it defines itself. For everyone has sinned. Everyone has a monster. We all, you know what the definition of all is? All. That's right. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. So, so the problem is that we have a monster inside of us. That's the problem to this question, the question that we started with, why is it that our actions don't always line up with our expectations? We expect better of ourselves. That's the answer. There's a monster inside all of us. But I want you to know that there's good news because the monster has a weakness and the monster can be and has been actually already been defeated. We don't have to fight this monster alone. We sang about it earlier, about how God is with us, but we don't have to fight this monster alone. Now, the last time we saw the ring, Smeagol had the ring, right? And it turned him into this monster. So we're going to fast forward in our movie's series, and an unlikely group of heroes is now taking the ring. They have possession of the ring, and they're taking it to where it belongs. Take a look at this. In this scene, we see that Gandalf, Gandalf is the gray, you know, long bearded guy. He's a wizard. We see that he realizes that his friends could never defeat the Balrog. Now, the Balrog is a monster, okay? We're just going to use that term moving forward. But they realize that he realizes that his friends cannot defeat the monster. And so he sends his friends on to safety and he stands and fights for them. Obviously, a devastating fight. He falls to what we consider his death at this point in the movies. But in our lives, similarly, Jesus could see through time. I understand Jesus, he works outside of the things he created, and so he can see through time. And he sees that that monster that's defeating you today. And he sees the monster that will be defeating you tomorrow, and he realized that you could never defeat that monster on your own. And so he went to battle for us. He stood in the gap for us. And the, the fact of the matter is he wants to enter your battle today. But just like the wizard could not have helped his friends had he not been present, Jesus cannot help you unless you allow him to be present in your life. You have to invite him into the fight. 2 Corinthians 521 says this, for God made Christ, we're talking about Jesus here, who never sinned, which just means he, ne he never had a monster inside of him, to be the offering for what? Our monster, our sin in us, so that we could be made right through Christ. So, we have this monster, it's inside of all of us, and we all deal with it, so I want you to know there's no one in here that's different than anybody else, we all deal with it. And Jesus will fight our battles, and as a matter of fact, he has already fought our battle. But what does that mean for us today? Like, how is that applicable for us today? Let's take a look at this last clip. Now, Gandalf comes back. Remember the last time we saw him, he was falling, right, to what we thought was his death. But he comes back, and the significance of him coming back is he left as Gandalf the Gray. He comes back as Gandalf the White. He comes back victorious. He comes back the most powerful wizard that there is, which is the White Wizard. He comes back with purpose. 
also, but in our lives, Jesus also went to battle for us, but he went to battle on a cross. And it was a dark day, and what we thought was defeat on that day was really a continued battle where Jesus literally went to hell himself to defeat the monster that is in our lives today. He defeated them all, and he did come back, and he did come back victorious. He came back with all questions answered of who he actually is. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. But what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me today? Check out what it says in 1 Corinthians. Sin is what gives death its sting. Sin, our monster, is what gives death its sting. But thank God. Why why do we thank God? He gives us, everybody say it together, victory. He gives us victory. What does he give us victory over? Over sin. Over our Monster. He gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what that means for you today. Your addiction to drugs has been defeated. Your addiction to alcohol has been defeated. Your addiction to pornography has been defeated. Your addiction to money has been defeated. Your addiction to power has been defeated. Your addiction to yourself, your addiction to whatever is your monster in your life has been defeated. And if that is true, then it begs this question. Why are we being defeated by something that has already been defeated? It doesn't make any sense to be defeated by something that's already been defeated. So why does that happen in our lives? One word answer. Surrender. We don't like to admit it, but we surrender to our hearts. And contrary to popular belief, our hearts do not know what's best for us. We don't don't have to teach our kids what not to do, we have to teach him what to do. That, that sin thing is just, it's natural for us. We surrender to ourselves. Okay, so if, we're, if that's the reason why we're being defeated, then here's another question. What can we do to fe- defeat the monsters in our lives? What can we do? My friends, it's the exact same answer. Surrender. See, surrender, we look at surrender as a weak term, something that only somebody that's weak does, because we live in America for crying out loud, right? If we put our minds to it, if we work hard enough, we can do anything. And and a lot of that is actually true, but in this instance, it is not. It doesn't matter what you do on your own. You cannot defeat the monster in your life. So here's our bottom line today. You can surrender to your heart or you can surrender to Jesus. Now, here's the promise. Both of those are going to be incredibly difficult. It's kind of sort of like working out, right? If we don't work out, that's easy, right? We can be lazy and we can sit on the couch and eat chips or whatever is your pleasure, 
but we pay for it later. Or we can work out now and we can celebrate it later because we feel better. That's how, kind of sort of how this works. They're both difficult. Let me, let me just tell you the promise. If you surrender to your heart, it'll be pretty easy right now. But I can promise you, truth is, it only lasts for a short while. And that will become incredibly difficult and incredibly painful. If you surrender to Jesus... You don't get to do what you want, when you want, how you want, because that's our heart. But the promise is this. He will give you a purpose for today, a purpose for this life, and he will give you hope for all eternity. So, so you can choose to surrender to your heart. You can choose to surrender to Jesus. Both are hard. And today, this is what you must do. You've got to choose your heart. You've got to choose your heart. I want everybody in the room to bow their heads and close their eyes, please. Everybody, please no looking around. This is too serious to look around. Some of you came in today and you have been living your life following your heart. And maybe you've been confronted with the truth today that you're like, hey, this is not working out like I thought it would. And so maybe I need to change my heart and start following Jesus because I want purpose and I want hope and I want to win in the end that's what Jesus gives you so if that is you and only if that is you I just want you to look at me just open your eyes and look at me good good now I want to help you I, I, I want to help you take this step it's not difficult it's it's a decision that you make and in your mind you just say this. You don't have to say anything out loud. It's just a decision. You know, God, I've been living, following my own heart, and it's just not working out for me that well. It's just a, it's just a repetitive cycle. I, I do something bad, and then I think I get rid of it, and then it comes back, and then I feel bad, and so I try to get rid of it, and then it comes back, and then I feel like it's just a repetitive cycle. So, God, I've been following my heart, but today I choose to follow you. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what all of that looks like. But today I choose to follow Jesus. Now, keep looking at me if that's you. I have things that I want to put in your hand to help you. And so if you would, one of two things, you can come find me after the services. I'm going to be right out front. You can come find me. And I'll take down your name and how to contact you, and we can do it that way. Or you can scan the QR code that's in front of you and say, today I decided to follow Jesus and it, it will email me and let me know, and I will get you the information. Now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Now, if you're in this room, and you follow Jesus, but there's an area of your life that it just keeps rearing its ugly head, that monster just keeps coming back and defeating you, and you would like to hand that over to Jesus today. You just look, I'm tired of fighting it, I'm going to hand it over to Jesus. I want you to look at me. Good. Good. I just want you to know I'm with you. Okay? This is me. Now, I'm not going to walk you through how to do business with God because I believe if you, have, if you are following him, you know how to do that. But I just want you to take the time to do that, to do business with God. Now, our team's going to come out, and we're going to sing a song entitled Deliverer. And we're going to celebrate the fact that God has delivered us 
He's capable to deliver you today. And when your monster rears its ugly head, he can deliver you tomorrow. So as they get ready, I just want to pray for you. And then we're all going to stand and we're going to sing. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who went to battle for us to battle our monsters, our monsters that would inevitably defeat us. God, thank you that we have an option, and, and, and I realize the options aren't necessarily easy, but they're clear. We can follow our heart, or we can follow you. So God, I pray as we sing this song, God, that we would proclaim the fact that you're with us, and you're never going anywhere. God, for those that made a decision to follow you today, thank you. Give them boldness to let me know, to let us know. For those that have handed over one of their monsters to you today, thank you for taking it from them. And thank you for standing in the gap. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.